Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. F's freedom, faith, free markets, and fun. Mojo Five O. Failure is not an option. What difference at this point does it make? This is Real Talk, a fearless, poignant, and intrepid show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. Not of this world, so we live on the run. We keep our eyes set, eyes set on what is to come. It happened before. It will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. Hey and welcome. This is Real Talk and I'm your host Audrey Russo and this is where the best in the arts and culture get it right. Besides me singing on the intro there, that was Toby Mack with Unstoppable. And we have three Fabu guests for you. Dr. Stephen Bucci of the Heritage Foundation will be here. Plus, best-selling author and columnist Andrew McCarthy will be here. And author Major Fred Galvin will be back with us. But first, we are a proud part of the Mojo Five O Radio Network. After the show, just go to Mojo Five O to check out the schedule and the awesome shows and hosts on Mojo Five O Radio. And you can find us on several radio stations, including WDDQ Talk ninety two point one, WLBB in Georgia, and WJHC, as well as iHeartRadio. And iTunes, where you can find us there, is Real Talk with Audrey Russo. Click subscribe, and you'll never miss an episode. And all these are listed on the left side of the show page. And, of course, we can be found every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Just go to AudreyRusso.com and click on the on-air button, and that will take you to the show and my after show 
with all the links and contacts for the guests is right there on that page under the show description. Also, check out the links under the guest links where we put out for you some of the things that we're discussing in the show itself, but absolutely files that we feel you should have that are either documents, white pages, PDF files, video uh, that will help you in your search for truth because you're certainly not getting it from the media anymore. Also, join us on the Real Talk Radio channel on Telegram where we put out an enormous amount of info for you throughout the day. And don't forget to join us on the Real Talk Radio channel chat where we also have, uh, sometimes the guests themselves pop in, but you yourself can share with us. You might come across information, you might come across studies and data. Obviously, it would be from Europe and elsewhere because we don't do studies here anymore. We're dumb, okay? (laughs) Or big pharma is controlling us. You choose which one. (laughs) Might be the same. And you can share it with us there uh, so that we have it. More arrows, arrows in our quiver to fight the campaign of, and they like to say that fact and data is disinformation. But the truth is their narrative is disinformation. Well, uh, fellow chumps, fellow deplorables, we call you patriots, which is a fact. Don't practice political correctness. It's self-imposing censorship. Actually, it's cultural Marxism. No one at this point can force you to censor your own language. It's your constitutionally protected speech. The left has been capitalizing on your obedience to them. Yes, you've been obeying them. They tell you to shut up or change your language, and you do it. Why are you doing that? Look, political correctness is nothing new. You'll be surprised to learn that in the 1880s, George MacDonald, who, by the way, influenced C.S. Lewis, said the two pillars of political correctness are, one, willful ignorance, and two, the steadfast refusal to face the truth. Well, our founders knew this. They were prescient men. George Washington once said, if the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Notice, he said, if that speech is taken away, okay, when you practice political correctness, you're giving that speech away. Don't do that. And as my friend and comedian Brad Stein has said numerous times, how do you stop political correctness? Because you can't stop it. Just stop doing it. You stop doing it. You lead the way. You take the first step. Don't wait for someone else. People are all waiting for someone to step forward. Well, guess what? I'm telling you today, you're a leader. Step forward and stop practicing it. Be the first one and lead others to what? Freedom. Well, Mr. P, we need more knowledge. Can you drop a little on us? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to try. And uh, when it comes to political correctness, you just simply have to get a spine. Because political correctness is the opiate of the coward. It's no good for you. Stop doing it. And it's no good for America, which, by the way, is the very epicenter of freedom and liberty for the entire world. So when it comes to political correctness, cut it out, stop it, don't do it. And when you fiercely and steadfastly defend our great 
constitutional republic, and it is great, that doesn't make you a racist. Don't listen to the lies. What it does make you is a culturist. And what is a culturist? Well, let me tell you. That is someone that steadfastly and loyally defends his culture. And guess what? Makes absolutely no apologies for it. And why should we defend our culture? Good question. Because it has lifted more people out of the cesspool of misery, poverty, and privation and freed more people from the jackboot of tyranny than any other culture in the history of mankind. If you don't believe me, look it up. Do your own research. So you got to get out there and defend it, meaning our culture and our country and our flag, because if we don't get out there and do it, there's going to be nothing left to defend. And just a reminder, under our grandiose Constitution, we have the God-given right of something called free speech. So I intend to exercise that right by sharing the following commentary from Free Speech on Tap. And that can be found on the Real Talk uh, forum on Facebook and also the Real Talk Telegram channel. And if you haven't joined our Telegram channel, please do so. So let me give you a little free speech on tap. Democrats are among the most hypocritical and corrupt creatures that pollute our political landscape. Of course, honorable mention goes to Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney, and Mitch McConnell. Imagine the temerity, the gall of these pampered members of the pantheon of pinheads to not only lead the defund the police movement, which has left so many of us law-abiding citizens having to fend off violent career criminals, but also, at the same time, trying to take away our Second Amendment rights, which would leave us with no way to protect ourselves against the thugs that Gavin Newsom and other Democrat governors released from prison under the guise of COVID. But while the Democrats are trying to disarm us, their security details are armed to the teeth with the very weapons that they zealously seek to take away from you and me, the freedom-loving citizens of our great republic. The weapons I'm referring to, of course, are the 9mm pistol and the AR-15. While Nancy Pelosi engages in endless rum-fueled rants about gun control and the need to protect the children, her and all of her grandkids are protected by armed guards carrying, again, the very weapons she wants to take away from us. Yes, the law-abiding, constitutional-loving patriots. And that is, as I mentioned, and I'm going to mention it again, the very popular and hugely effective self-preservation weapons known as the 9mm pistol and the AR-15. Of course, the purpose of gun control isn't to protect children from being killed, If it were the case, Democrats would focus on cars, swimming pools, bicycles, and drunk drivers like Paul Pelosi, which are cited in far more fatality cases involving children than guns. And that's a fact. The purpose of gun control is to disarm Americans so we can't fight back against the communist machinations of Democrats and their pernicious party leaders. That's the purpose. In the end... A disarmed citizenry becomes a servant to its master, and that master is the very entity that disarmed it, the state. Founder George Mason 
put it succinctly when he stated the following in the Second Amendment. And I quote, to disarm the people is the most effectual way to enslave them, coming right from one of our founding fathers. Let me leave you with my usual but all-important public service announcement. The Constitution is not there to protect the tenuous feelings of snowflakes, unhinged talking heads on CNN, trans-friendly school boards, nor a treasonous regime that stole an election and is currently destroying our great nation. Instead, it is a bulwark to protect speech that is not popular in certain segments and political precincts of our culture. So get out there and speak your mind, and remember to support your local gun shops and ranges because without the Second Amendment, we are just serfs ruled by kings. And that's what the left hopes for, for us to be serfs. Remember, the ones who are pushing for socialism slash communism, eventually it becomes communism, because I'm going to give you a quote for that in a second. They want to make sure that, remember, they're not going to be one of the serfs. They're going to be part of the ruling class. That's what they want. Remember, guns, you know, you've heard that guns don't kill people. People kill people. That's right, because there are at least a hundred other ways that people actually do commit crimes of not just uh, of maiming people, but killing them with other items. We have, uh, think about it, any time that, well, we've had even recently where you have someone driving a car into a crowd. Well, how come there's no, where's the human cry to ban cars? Okay. Or uh, times we found they were, they were Muslim that were at the wheel. Okay. We just had that happen in, in Berlin. So, and there was a church, I think it was a church event outside on their lawn of the church and a Muslim behind the wheel went and plowed into them. So how come, and we've had it here, we had that, my gosh, what happened to that Christmas parade? Hello? Someone who happened to be uh, black, doesn't like white people, he made it clear on the social media, and what did he do? He plowed into a Christmas parade. But because of his skin hue, and because of their skin hue, it didn't stay in the news very long, did it? And there were people that were killed, too. How come, where's the you and cry? Where is it? Why are we banning Paul Pelosi, he was in his past. He actually killed somebody when he was in his teens, drunk driving. Well, how come there was no, well, he should be behind prison. But anyway, <laughs> why, why was there no you and cry about banning, right, banning cars? Why? They used a car to do it, right? They used a car in that parade to do it. Why is there silence on that? Why aren't they allowing them to sue the manufacturers? See how dumb this is? More people in one shot of hitting them with a car in a parade or a crowd or a rally can kill more people than one person with a gun. We're looking at the mental state of people. And thanks to our government, we have more mental illness today than ever before. Because the first step in mental illness is isolation. We've seen the little, you know, every, every town would, I guess even a small town would have a, they'd call them the village idiot. Well, these people are isolated. Okay, so when they're out with other people, 
they start to act strange. Not always violent, but strange, okay? But that's the first step in mental illness. Well, gee, there were people in our government that knew that. But so they locked us down, keep it, made us afraid of our neighbors for a flu virus. And yes, it was a flu virus. Yes, it was. Because they were forced, the CDC was forced to tell everyone what they let it out but the but the media is still going with the lie there were not a million people killed from we know there were people that fell out of uh, out of planes that were it said they they died of covid someone in a motorcycle crash that died of covid right even though they weren't sick with covid what they did was they reported everything and anything as covid but when president trump was in he forced the CDC to put out the actual numbers. So out of all those deaths, only 6% of those, only 6%, did you get that? 94% died with at least four comorbidities. At least four. Only 6% died of COVID, which made it even less the number than the last season that we had before this uh, scamdemic happened, less people died with, with co- of COVID than they, they did from the, the flu, the common flu. But uh, that doesn't really move their narrative forward. So remember something, the people, the bureaucrats, especially in this country, like Fauci and such, they actually have many conflicts of interest. Uh, that means, in this case, he actually has patents. So does the CDC. I'm wondering why they have patents. Okay, to make money off things that they're asking us to use. That's a conflict of interest, meaning they're promoting something that they're benefiting from. They're not doing their job, are they? No. So let me get back to socialism okay socialism what is it you probably don't know because you probably weren't even either you weren't told in school if you went to the public school system or you were lied to so let's get it directly from vladimir lenin who said the goal of socialism is communism so in other words socialism is communism's bait more people have died under communism than any other ideology to date. And to clarify between terms, Marxism is the framework and communism is the practice. So communism is the practical implementation of Marxism. So don't buy the lie of socialism. It's non-refundable. You can't get your money back. You can't try it out and then go back to capitalism. It doesn't work that way can't go back to a democracy. doesn't work that way. So it's non-refundable, and it will eventually kill you. So what is Biden and his globalist peeps within our own country? We don't need enemies on the outside. We got them on the inside. And sadly, they've stolen leadership positions. So what are they doing now intentionally? They're forcing us against our will into a socialist system in order to, well, it's not in order to make us free, is it? No, it's in order to control us. They lied to get into offices. Well, at least definitely Biden did. 
because they knew we didn't want that system, and they said they'd represent us. But globalists are godless narcissists, and they don't give a flying walenda about truth, integrity, or what you or I want. It's all about control. Now, what you're seeing is intentional. Step back and watch. They hate the middle class. They are trying to drive the middle class into poverty. So they will be the only ones who can have the luxuries God has allowed us to have through freedom for centuries in this country. So there will be only two classes. The ruling class, that would be them. And the serfs, that would be us. There would be no middle class. Go to the World Economic Forum's website. They are not ashamed, nor do they hide this. And as a matter of fact, we have a link for you on the live show page, so you can check that out. Now, one of our brilliant founders, and they were all brilliant, but one of our brilliant founders, Benjamin Franklin, said after signing the Declaration of Independence, he said, if we do not hang together, we shall surely hang separately. And we just want to say we're glad you came to hang with us. So the counter the lie for this week is, from the beginning, the regime tried to establish that the jab was safe and effective. And when we say the regime, we're not just talking about the politicians, but those that work along with them, like Big Pharma and the media, they were all saying it's safe. That means it's not going to harm you, right? They know what they're saying. And it's effective. We know that's not true because <laughs> people have gotten four shots and they're still getting sick. We know what the reason is for that. Well, of course, this is a lie. <clears throat> and here's, here's one of the reasons why. That narrative has quickly fallen apart as two new clinical studies from Turkey and France reveal a link between the experimental jab, because that's what it is, and degenerative brain disease. This study was also published by the American frontline doctors. Now, if you recall, last year I had Adam Gartner on the show, who is an independent virology researcher that found uh, a cure for COVID in April 2020. He was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize in 2021. If you didn't hear that, inter actually it was two interviews, but if you can hear that one from 2021, um, in July, just check back in the archives. You can listen to it again. He gets more deeply into this. He warned of degenerative brain diseases like prion disease occurring in massive numbers. They're not going to be able to excuse this one away. And you really do have my compassion if you acted in a knee-jerk fashion and believed the, the lies that the bureaucrats, the government, the media was telling you, and you ran to get this jab, what went in can't come out. What it's going to do to you, I don't know. Maybe it's time to trust God so he can protect you. Because if you get d degenerative brain disease, you don't have much time left. And you don't know if you're going to get that. And we already know they couldn't cover up the fact that you have young people, young people, 18 to 35, that are dropping dead all over Europe and in our country as well. 
coming up with things that you don't have when you're young. Why? Because they were forced to get the jab. That's why. You don't force people to be lab rats. It's funny, Pete is so worried about pe uh, animals being experimented on, but I didn't hear a peep out of them when it came to people being deceived. You're not, you weren't even just deceived into getting this jab. You paid for it. It wasn't free. That was your tax dollars that made Pfizer et al. billionaires, multi-multi-billionaires. That was your tax dollars. And yet another study, by the way, proving the uselessness and danger of wearing masks. After examining the correlation between morbidity and mask usage, using data collected from 35 European countries over a six-month span throughout the 2020-2021 winter, Associate Professor Benny Spira at the University of Sao Paulo found wearing masks not only useless in preventing transmission of COVID or airborne viruses, but a moderate positive correlation between mask usage and deaths. According to Spira's peer-reviewed study published in Curious Journal of Medical Science in April, uh, on April 19th, face masks do not or actually do nothing to prevent transmission of disease and in fact increase the risk of dying from COVID and respiratory illnesses. Lesson here, don't rush to act when politicians say run. Step back, observe, and watch what's going on. And stop listening to bureaucrats, but instead do your own research. Your life and the lives of your family are worth the time spent. Well, we're gonna take a quick break right here, but don't go anywhere. Up next, best-selling author Andrew McCarthy will be here. So don't make a move. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. I'm Watson Prenier, the host of Battle for Freedom. The show airs Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check me out on Battle for Freedom, where I'm triggering change one heartbeat at a time. <laughs> original. It's bold. It's patriotic. It's American. It's American Pride. It's American Pride Roasters Coffee. Historically, great coffee. AmericanPrideRoasters.com Peter Serafin from Liberty Lighthouse takes a moment to thank Governor Wolf from Pennsylvania for all that he's done for this COVID-19 crisis. Thank you for keeping COVID out of our nursing home. Wait, you didn't do that. I'll skip to the next one. Thank you for protecting small business. You didn't do that either. Thank you for making sure our unemployed workers were able to receive their benefit. Thank you for being ever-present to deal with... Thank you for leading by example. Oh, thank you for working with the legislature to get things. Thank you for common sense travel restrictions. Oh, good Lord. Thank you for using science to establish restaurant guidelines. Ah, dang it! At least we have sports. We can enjoy watching a couple hours of high school athletics and forget all of the craziness for a short... Seriously, this is getting ridiculous. Liberty Lighthouse, Saturdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Mojo 5 -0. You want to wake up refreshed like you slept on a cloud. 
Get yourself the very best in bedding supplies today. You deserve it. Go to MyPillow.com and don't forget our very special promo code, Mojo50, for incredible savings. Hey everybody, this is Theo Fleury, former Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, and you're listening to Audrey Russo on Real Talk. If you don't listen, I might have to come down there and cross-check you. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. The Democrat Party has many problems, aside from its inability to comprehend that the interminable printing of money causes inflation, they have a much more dangerous issue, political violence. Perhaps they mistook our nation for North Korea, but regardless, this tactic has no place in a constitutional republic. We're going to discuss this with my next guest. For my new listeners, Andrew McCarthy is a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He led the successful prosecution of Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman, known as the Blind Sheikh, and 11 others who were convicted of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and of planning a series of attacks against New York City landmarks. Andrew is a contributing editor of National Review and a senior fellow at the National Review Institute. His work can also be found at PJ Media, and he's a Fox News contributor. He's a best-selling author, and his books include Willful Blindness, a memoir of the Jihad, Spring Fever, the Illusion of Islamic Democracy, The Grand Jihad, How Islam and the Left Sabotage America, Faithless Execution, Building the Political Case for Obama's Impeachment, and his new bestseller, Ball of Collusion, The Plot to Rig an Election and Destroy a Presidency. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Andrew McCarthy. Great to have you back with us, Andy. Audrey, always a pleasure. Uh, you know, I was going to start with the, you know, Kavanaugh, but actually, um, I want to start with um, with this. The uh, we've lost our ability to have civil discussion in the culture. I mean, tragically, leaders on the left are provoking and legitimizing violence we have been seeing now for years, but most recently during what's been called the summer of love or the riots of 2020. Uh, media, politicos, and they've all been excusing away violence as legitimate expression. Andy, the Democrats have a political violence problem, and that has no place in a democratic society. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I, I wrote a piece that had that col- uh, that title, The Left's uh, po- Political Violence Problem. The more I've thought about it, Audrey, I'm, I'm starting to think I put a bad title on that because I think it's our political violence problem. The left doesn't have any problem with political violence. <laughs> right. um, so, uh, it, you know, and I'm only uh, like half tongue in cheek about that because yeah, as I laid out in the in the article, I mean, first of all, they think I mean, this is like uh, Malcolm X talking about any by any means necessary, right? So right, right. they think anything that advances the ball of their cause up the field is good. Um, 
they they purport the people who are who project themselves as reasonable leftists mm-hmm. and reasonable progressives um, purport to uh, to look down on violence, but you know they want you to understand it as a little bit excessive in what is otherwise a noble cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ultimate outcome of all this is if you look at the most notorious pardons by Democratic presidents, you know, certainly going back to uh, arguably going back to Carter, but certainly going back to Clinton, um, they pardon terrorists. They pardon radical left wing yeah. terrorists. Yeah. Um, and what happens, you know, if the weather underground, if we took them, as I was example, just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> They they go on to uh, you know fame and fortune and uh, and comfortable uh, sinecures in the universities. They become you know distinguished professors and uh, social justice activists. Uh, Ivy League schools roll out the red carpet for them. So you know it's hard to, it's hard to take seriously, uh, or it would be hard to take seriously any uh, full throated condemnation of. Uh, of radical leftist terrorism by Democrats, but we don't have to worry about that since we don't get that kind of a full nation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a side note that uh, Chesa Boudin was uh, raised by uh, Bill Ayers. And, yes, he was his um, he was his guardian, his daddy for a while. Yeah, the, his foster parents were uh, yeah. Bill Ayers and Bernardine Dorn. Yeah. Bernardine Dorn was actually a bigger deal in the Weather Underground than even Bill, Bill Ayers, Ayers yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but they had to uh, they had to raise him because one day in 1981, Chess's parents didn't come home. Um, they were also Weather Underground terrorists, and the reason they didn't come home was they were arrested uh, carrying out the Brinks robbery, which was a, a famous. Uh, robbery of a, a Brinks truck in which a security guard and two police officers were, Nyack police officers were killed. Um, mm-hmm. The mother, um, uh, Kathy Boudin, got a 20-year sentence. The father got a 75-year sentence. But, you know, again, what to go to what I said a minute ago uh, about what Democrats and terrorists, the last thing that uh, he did before uh, stepping aside, resigning his position in disgrace, Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo of New York, the last official act he did was to pardon or commute the sentence of uh, Chesa Boudin's father. So he too is now uh, out of jail. And in fact, in the last days of the campaign, um, Bill Ayers and Chesa Boudin, along with Angela Davis, the famous uh, communist, roll out campaigning for Chessa. And I remember thinking at the time, gee, I can't believe he's losing. You know, but uh, (laughs) there you go. Well, you know, he had to be bad if those, you know, the lefties out there that put him in office got him out. That's that's pretty. Yeah, and you know, the uh, the amazing thing about it is um, the left is now trying to spin this as like, well, it was, uh, you know, conservative and Republican money that kind of... like that would have like any impact whatsoever in San Francisco. This was like even in San Francisco they couldn't take this guy anymore. So it doesn't have anything to do. I wish it did. It doesn't have anything to do with Republicans or no. conservatives. It was that these people, as as often happens, you know, um, their their uh, the, their policy preferences always work well 
in the faculty lounge. But when they're yes. actually applied <laughs> down here on planet Earth, they don't do so good. And, you know, they, as a result, San Francisco is like an unmitigated mess to the point that, you know, mm -hmm. even the even the Democratic mayor there uh, has gotten religion on, um, you know, on policing and anti-crime. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and basically she contributed to sinking um, to sinking Chisa Boudin. Yeah. Even though I don't think she came out and formally endorsed against him. Right. Of course. Yeah. But yeah, exactly right. It came back suddenly. Uh, usually they they escape wherever it is they have uh, voted the disaster and they go to another state to infect it with their with their um, their voting there. But yeah, this time they were stuck and they got bitten in the tuchus by their own policies and so that's that's the only time they wake up just for a moment you know i'm sure it was momentary right. yeah um you know and this was actually a good segue into uh what i want to talk about with kavanaugh first you had the assassination attempt on kavanaugh then you had a threat of violence on barrett and her kids uh the doj basically silent and the democrats pelosi and hoyer said uh, no additional protection for the justices. Now, uh, code, for the listeners, code 18 U.S., uh, excuse me, um, 18 U.S. code 1503, and, and you have the other one you're going to mention, on influencing or injuring an officer or juror. Um, the DOJ is failing to enforce this code. Can the When that happens, is it possible for a state or local authority to enforce it? No, the state can only enforce state law. They don't have any jurisdiction to enforce mm -hmm. federal law. Right. Um, nothing stops them from passing their own laws, and some states do have their own laws. But, um, you know, protecting federal, ju not just federal judges, Audrey, but, you know, participants in right. federal mm -hmm. judicial proceedings. The two statutes you refer to, 1503 and 1507 mm -hmm. uh, in the federal penal code, protect not only justices of the Supreme Court, they don't just say that you can't, the, the term they use is picketing and parading and also, you know, intimidating. Right. Um, it, they don't apply just to even Supreme Court justices or federal judges. They also apply to jurors and, uh, right. and key witnesses in judicial proceedings. And that's because, and this is why what the Biden administration is saying here is so outrageous when they say the line they're drawing is, you know, people can't engage in violence. You know, they don't want any violence on the uh, on the justices. But other than that, basically anything goes and they won't enforce these laws. Um, and what they're basically what the Biden administration is preposterously saying is that, um, you know, th this is free speech, you know, to go out and uh, peacefully protest in and at their residences. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the, of the matter is, you don't have a First Amendment right to protest outside a judge's house. Right. Um, there is no First Amendment right to do that. In this system, judicial proceedings, the judiciary is the non-political branch. Judicial proceedings are supposed to be insulated from not just violence but political pressure right. because we don't want cases decided by political pressure. We want them decided by what the law says. Right. And the reason that we keep the judges out of politics, that we don't make them run for office, decide the cases faithfully on the basis of what the law says, even if they have to make unpopular 
decisions or decisions that are at least unpopular with some people. Right. Um, they're not supposed to make decisions based on fear or favor or bias. It's supposed to be what the law says. So it has long been uh, the law that you can't put political pressure on judges, which is what picketing and parading at their residences is precisely uh, designed to do. And what's really remarkable about all this is there are a number of people, I think the number is probably in the, in the neighborhood of about 300 mm -hmm. uh, of people who have been charged in connection with January 6th at the Capitol right. who were not engaged in rioting or violence. They have been charged basically with being unlawfully present right, on federally yeah. restricted grounds mm -hmm. of the Capitol. And the theory behind the statute that prohibits that and behind the Justice Department's prosecutions is that your mere presence in a place where it's federally restricted territory and where there's going to be a protectee like uh, a Secret Service protectee like Mike Pence is going to temporarily be on site. The theory is that being present under those circumstances creates such a risk to the safety of the protectee and creates such a risk that government processes will be derailed somehow that you're not allowed to be there. It doesn't matter, it, it doesn't matter if you actually assault anyone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you threaten anyone. You're not allowed to be there. Right. And that's the basis on which they're charging these people. Now, I point that out for two reasons. Number one, they're not taking the position with respect to those cases that violence is the red line. In those cases, they're prosecuting people just because they're present in the place that they weren't supposed to be, which they won't do in connection with the Supreme Court justices. And the second thing is you can see the point of trying to put political pressure on at the Capitol, I'm not suggesting that violence is okay. No, of course not. But I'm not. saying to the extent that people want to be present on the grounds, Congress is a political body. Right. The whole idea with Congress is to put pressure on them because they answer to us to make them do the things that we want them to do. Of course. There's no justification for doing that with the courts because they're not supposed to be subjected to political pressure. Right, right. And those, by the way, really were not peaceful protests outside their homes at all hours. Uh, there were threats, too, of violence, threats of yeah, violence. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But even if there weren't, Audrey, let's right. just pretend for a second, like we're the Biden administration, we're going to pretend that they weren't really, um, you know, filled with intimidation and potential violence mm -hmm. and that we haven't had an attempted murder of a Supreme Court justice. You know, the 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 uh, First Amendment says that uh, Congress shall make no law infringing the freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. right. uh, the word the is very important there uh, because the freedom of speech was something that was a known quantity at the time that it was adopted as part of the Constitution. And what I mean by that is everybody knew at the time, everybody understood that there were always restrictions on speech, which is why it was known as the freedom of speech, because it had a number of known exemptions to it, like fighting words and defamation and obscenity, right. and also time, place, and manner restrictions. You're not allowed, just because you have freedom of speech, to take a bullhorn outside my bedroom window at 3 o'clock in the morning and start, you know, raving. Right. Um, it doesn't matter that you're not threatening me. You're disturbing the peace, which has always been a criminal act. Right, right, yeah. I, it, well, I, I, I don't 
want to get off course, but I do want to say that, um, you know, when it came to J6, okay, for fine, uh, they weren't supposed to be there, and that it's for trespassing. There are fancier words for it. Okay, fine. But um, due process should not have been thrown out because those people are there, and they, they, they lost due process. They don't have it. And yeah, why, is, right. why is no one having a problem with that? I'm not hearing anyone having a problem with that in Congress. Maybe uh, maybe a Marjorie Taylor Greene, but that's about it. Yeah, you know, I just think that um, there's a lot of mincing words here. You know, I've gotten asked a number of times because we all point out that this statute isn't being enforced. And I keep getting asked, like, why do you think they're doing this? Why won't they enforce the statute? Why won't Nancy Pelosi move this legislation that would provide funding to increase the security for the justices? Right. And my answer to that is, why do you think they leaked the draft opinion of Justice Alito? Of course. Because they wanted to prompt exactly this kind of intimidation. Yeah. Why are they not enforcing the law? Why is Pelosi not protecting the justices? Because they hope this is going to work. Right. They don't want the Alito. They don't want the Supreme Court to rule in a way that's consistent with the Alito opinion that's already out. So, you know, I hate to say this to people, but, you know, sometimes the simplest answer is the answer. <laughs> and the reason that they're not taking action here yeah. is they hope this works. Yes, it's political. <laughs> it's political. That's exactly why, you know, that's kind of, uh, oh, we're, we're, you know, to themselves, we're just pausing it right now because hopefully this will work. You know, it'll be, they'll intimidate, they'll do exactly what they're not supposed to be doing. So why are we surprised? I don't know. But um, I, my issue with the, with the, those who have been arrested is that they they do not have due process, and that's unconstitutional, and no one's saying anything about it, and it's been going on for almost a year and a half. And that's outrageous. Every Everyone should be outraged about that. doesn't matter what political side you're on. Am I correct? Right. Well, right. It shouldn't matter with respect to due process, and it shouldn't matter with respect to violence. You know, all yes. Yes. politically motivated violence is condemnable. It doesn't matter which ism Right. Uh, is Exa the one that exactly. is uh, motivated. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the issue. Everyone should be outraged that someone is is being robbed of due process. You know. Yeah, I feel like Audrey, I feel like we we end up talking about some iteration of this every month. But basically, what really has people outraged in this country, and for good reason, is that we have a two tiered yes. system of justice. Yes. I mean, it's a two tiered, you know, political and media environment, but it spills over into law enforcement and it's tragic that it does because if you don't have public confidence that the law is going to be enforced, enforced yeah. even handedly yeah. then the legal system loses its legitimacy and if that ends up happening then you lose the thing that you need for a prosperous society which is the rule of law so this is you know we're playing with fire here even though sometimes i think the people who are doing it don't realize it whether they do or not they as you said by any means necessary to get their their goals so they only obey the laws that are convenient and and the rest are you know kind of they're ancillary to them um it's up to us you know i i'm not angry at a, a bad child for being bad i'm angry at the ones that don't stop the child restrain them when right. they know it's wrong. And so we have, of course, I'm being very kind when I call the Democrat Party, you know, a, 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 you know like a child misbehaving. They're not. They're, what they're doing, their policies are disastrous. But 
our side, we we have basically no representation at this point because not standing against anything. I mean, they're even joining in when it comes to red flag laws, but I don't want to get off course here. I, I, I want to talk about the one that's in the position of leadership, which I have to laugh about. Uh, we're, I'm talking about Biden. Uh, any thoughts on his rapid mental decline? Of course, to me, it's, uh, you know, people think, oh, yes, he's acting this way and that way because, of course, because he has some, you know, he has, there are mental challenges right now. No, I think looking at Biden in, in the past, if you, I don't know if you agreed that he was always a, a snarky, nasty, arrogant, uh, intolerant, and those are his good points, okay? So <laughs> where do you go from there? Right. Well, you know, look, I think he was always um, he was always dumb and, and thin skinned yes, and yes. He's very thin skinned because he knows he's dumb. You know, so, for example, he, <laughs> you know, he lied about he lied about his uh, attainments, his academic attainments. And, oh, you know, I've always been of a mind that, um, you know, people care about your academic attainments right up until the time you get your first job. And then it's about how you perform. Right. right. But this guy has been, you know, he's he's. Uh, He's been lying about himself for years because he knows, you know, he's not much of a thinker yeah. uh, and he's not, you know, very accomplished. Uh, he's lived in a political environment his whole life. He's got the like softest job. He's a, he, at, I think the age of 29 before he was old enough to um, actually assume the seat. I think the thing was he was elected when he was 29. You need to be 30 to be a senator. But he was um, he he. He had to be 30 before he could assume the seat. So I think he got elected when he was 29. And then by the time it was time to take the seat, he was he had attained the age. But this was a blue seat. You know, this was a seat in Delaware's in the Senate, which was like a lifetime appointment for him because, you know, he was never going to lose in that kind of a a comfy seat. Uh, He spent, you know, was it 40 years plus in Washington uh, he's the Peter principle in action in the sense that uh, by, just by hanging around long enough, he keeps getting promoted to his next level of incompetence. And, you know, <laughs> every place he ends up, you see it. So this was his whole career. I, I, I'm not saying that there isn't some demonstrable mm-hmm. um, reduction in his ability to, you know, to function. Um, he used to be a blabbermouth that you couldn't shut up, but you couldn't get him to speak, to talk on the point. I remember, you know, famously, uh, was it the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings where he was supposed to ask a question and he spent about 12 minutes just jabbering and he never got around to a question and every eye in the place was rolling. But that was always him, you know? So the difference between then and now is he can't do 12 minutes now, even with Mm -hmm. a teleprompter. But back when he could do 12 minutes, he didn't say anything. So what's the difference, know, okay. right? <laughs> he's he's um he's old, yeah, uh, and he's out of his depth. But the Joe Biden I remember would have been out of his depth when he was in his forties. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, and what's really uh, kind of uh, absurd is to watch those even in the media just trying to make excuses. I mean, I didn't watch; I saw clips of him on Jimmy Kimmel and he's like finishing sentences for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, he didn't have a teleprompter that day he didn't have anyone in his ear. So he had the host answer the questions for him. And the, the saddest one was, yeah. And I don't actually think Kimmel was poking fun at him. I think he was trying to help him, but Biden was right. making a point about 
how he hasn't been able to communicate what his administration has accomplished, but he couldn't get that out. So he couldn't communicate his inability to communicate. And, and you know, uh, Kimmel ended up saying something along the lines of, there you have it. And <laughs> I don't think Kimmel wasn't taking a shot at him or poking no. at him. No, I don't. He was think trying so. to say, yes, you've had difficulty communicating your message, but it was it was just a... You know, it's a sad moment in the in the sense that I've never liked Biden. I mean, no. it's obvious from the way I've described. He's not likable. Yeah, he was. I not. always thought he was dishonest and yeah. and and a little uh, sleazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, he's he always had that kind of hail fellow, well met. I know a lot of people who like him because they were charmed by him. It's lost on me, but I don't. Right. You know, the fact that it's lost on me doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So I'm I'm not denying that he that he had that. I've never liked him yeah. as a human being. It's hard to watch this and not feel sorry for him, except he's the one who ran. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, this job is the hardest job on the planet. Somebody at National Review mentioned to me uh, the other day that there's a lot of jobs where they make you retire at 65 uh, because of the demands of the job. None of them is as hard, nearly as hard as being president of the United States. And we've seen it age much younger men. Oh, yes. So, yes. you know. This is a job I don't think he could have done in what passed for his crime. And now he's in it. And, you know, I, I feel as a human being, I feel sorry for him that he's that he's flailing the way that he is. But at the same time, I'm more worried about the country than I am sorry for him. Because yeah. oh. the things that when the president of the United States says something, it's consequential. Um, you know, when he says things like we want regime change in Russia, that's like, you know, that could you don't want to see someone accidentally get us into harm's way and i and that's what you have to keep worrying about here yeah uh, very much so and you don't want to see someone outright saying the complete antithesis of what we're watching in the in the uh, economy saying you know just outright lies you have to be a dribbling idiot to believe what he can well, of course he's not tweeting it cuz i don't think he could tweet us think he could do a sentence okay i'm not sure he could do it before this was happening but he uh, you know he's doing this constantly and he's making himself uh appear a, a buffoon at this point by doing that we're laughing stock uh, of the world at this point watching this man and listening well, to him and watching well, i'm his more worried about him being a laughing stock in america i don't really care what the world thinks of him right uh, you know, well, in some ways we have to worry about that when it comes to people looking at us as a paper tiger yeah we do have to worry about that when it comes to 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 our national security but when yeah what they think of him here come on I mean, look at the economy, and there's there's no, not even, you know, to say, oh, yeah, I'm doing all I can. That doesn't mean anything when you're actually not doing anything to, to yeah. prevent. Well, you know, look, it, we're at a point where he's not even two years in. It's not even really 18 months yet. No. And the New York Times is already running big stories about the Democrats are in full panic mode, and they're wanting, wondering – how do they edge him aside and, and manage to get somebody else in there to run in 2024? We're not even halfway through his term yet. Yeah. Well, nobody really thought that he would be able to do this anyway. The, the internal dynamics of their family probably ought to be looked into for uh, purposes of trying to understand the streams of revenue that they are getting from yes, these foreign yeah, sources. Yeah. But as far as the rest of it's concerned, I'm a lot more worried about the country than I am about the Biden family. Yeah, yeah. If they weren't, if they didn't 
greatly affect how the country is, and I wouldn't really give a hoot, but uh, I do because of that. Um, Andy, where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and purchase your books? Where can they do that? Well, thanks so much, Audrey. I write regularly at National Review, um, and I um, I write my books for Encounter Books, which has a great website as well, and I encourage your listeners to check them out. Excellent. And as always, I'll have those links in my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AudreyRusso.com. Click on the on-air button and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info that Andy just shared. Thanks so much again, Andy, for sharing your brilliant assessments on these critical issues with us. Will you join us again on the show? Yes? Oh, of course. Excellent. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Thanks, Audrey. We're going to take a quick break right here, but stay right there. Up next, Major Fred Galvin will be with us. So don't make a move. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters reporting. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's extradition to the U.S. has been approved by U.K. Home Secretary Preeti Patel. Assange is wanted by the American authorities over documents leaked in 2010 and 2011, which the United States says broke the law and endangered lives. Assange's attorney, Jennifer Robinson, says the British government's decision to order the extradition of Assange to the United States to face spying charges is a threat to the freedom of speech everywhere. He faces 175 years in prison for publishing information for which he's won journalism awards the world over and has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. This should shock and concern everyone, every citizen, every journalist, every editor, every media organization. Mr. Assange has 14 days to appeal the Home Office decision. The Iowa Supreme Court cleared the way for lawmakers to severely limit or ban abortion in the state. Ed Donahue reports. The court reversed a decision it made four years ago, guaranteeing the right to abortion under the Iowa Constitution. The Iowa Supreme Court is now composed almost entirely of Republican appointees. It concluded a less conservative court four years ago made the wrong decision. Abortion providers had challenged a 2020 law that required a 24-hour waiting period before a woman can get an abortion. A judge who struck down the law cited the state's high court's 2018 ruling. The battle over the 24-hour waiting period in Iowa goes back to district court. I'm Ed Donahue. A mixed day on Wall Street as the Dow was down by 38 points. The Nasdaq rose 152. The S&P advanced 8. And oil down $8.03 to close at $109.56 a barrel on the New York Mercantile Exchange. More on these stories at townhall.com. After a long, hard night, I am exhausted. I need something that will stimulate me. That's why I start each day with Ron's sexual chocolate. It really gets me off to work. Find the flavor that stimulates you and gets you off to work at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. 
Here's important new information from the Diabetes Solution Center for you, a family member, or a loved one suffering with diabetes. If you have lost your provider or if you need a provider for diabetic supplies, you may qualify to receive your diabetic testing supplies now with little or no out-of-pocket cost, regardless of your age. All you need is Medicare or private insurance to be potentially eligible. Call the Diabetes Solution Center right now for details. Just takes a couple of minutes. Our friendly, knowledgeable agents will give you free, no-obligation information, handle all the insurance paperwork, and make sure your supplies are delivered directly to your door for free. Call U.S. Medical Supply 24 hours a day. 800-597-9323. Call right now. 800-597-9323. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395-800-709-4395-800-709-4395-800-709-4395. High capacity, fully automatic, large caliber, freedom. Mojo 5 Failure is not an option. What difference at this point does it make? This is Real Talk, a fearless, poignant, and intrepid show where truth speaks louder than words. This is Real Talk with your host, Audrey Russo. Not of this world, so we live on the run. We keep our eyes set, eyes set on what is to come. It happened before. It will happen again. It's just a question of when. Time's a luxury we don't have. This is Peabody Award-winning international film and television star Nick Searcy, and you're listening to Audrey Russo on Real Talk. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. Has Biden and his generals caused the drastic dip in troop morale? And will this endanger military readiness and therefore our national security? Well, we're going to discuss this and more with my next guest. For my new listeners, retired Marine Major Fred Galvin has served our nation honorably for almost three decades. 
He's received 49 military awards and ribbons total, including a Bronze Star with Valor, three Combat Action Ribbons, and 10 Sea Service Ribbons. He's conducted five successful combat deployments during his nearly 27-year military career. And he is now the author of an upcoming bestseller, A Few Bad Men, which shares the incredible true story of an elite team of U.S. Marines set up to take the fall for Afghanistan war crimes they did not commit and their leader who fought for the redemption of his men. It's my great pleasure to give a real talk welcome back to Major Fred Galvin. Welcome back, Fred. Thank you. It's so great to be back, Audrey. Well, it's great to have you back with us, and we're going to jump right in here. Ever since Obama implemented his plan to re-educate the military, the morale of our troops has been plummeting from failing to get troops to re-up to being forced out for refusing to take an experimental jab to the indoctrination of woke ideology in the ranks. Troop morale has been falling faster than our economy. So, Fred, has Biden continued and perhaps worsened the situation and therefore endangered military readiness? Yes, he has not just continued, he's accelerated this. And uh, the unfortunate part, and Audrey, as you know, six weeks ago, I just uh, finished another four years, and this was in addition to the 26 years, 10 months, and 19 days that I was in the, the military in uniform, uh, but the last four years have been serving as a civilian for uh, the Department of Defense and specifically just wrapped up uh, with the Marine Corps in the Pacific. And I saw this issue, uh, and you can, as a reconnaissance officer, which I did in the Marines while I was in uniform, the uh, what they teach us is what you observe in a battlefield and how you're going to report that, but also to report what is glaringly not there. And with this training and, you know, the life that I lived as a reconnaissance officer, it's very important to apply that in your normal life where when I was going to work there in Hawaii, you did not see these uh, people who all of them now are wanting to get out at 20 years. You know, these are very close to retirement, some of them 17, 18. And that was kind of like their twilight tour. Um, now it's with a passion. There's no, re- no reason to have this feeling, but there's also uh, such as these guys are not, their, their wives are not unhappy that they're in Hawaii. They're not deploying anywhere, especially the last few years with COVID. They have not been even on airplanes. Um, they don't have jobs lined up. And I'm, I'm talking about a, a group of people that I used to interact with at a, at a large headquarters. So their, their quality of life and, and living in Hawaii is not the problem. It's not that uh, they're overworked or spending too much time away from home, which are a lot of the normal reasons uh, over the past few years while we were in war, which we're not now except for in the Southern Philippines. And, it didn't, and that did not affect this group that I was working with. But uh, every single one of them wants to get out immediately. Uh, and that's not normal. Usually people are 
wanting to stick around to serve longer. Uh, the Marine Corps, as you know, is a is a great organization, but in some aspects, it's like a cult. You know, they they brainwash us, and you know we're the best. There's no other like us, and we we are all better than everybody else. Uh, that's that's the mindset that the Marine Corps wants their Marines to have. And, you know, I had bought into that. Uh, but what's going on right now is, you know, these, these senior officers are ha- having very severe problems with morale. And a lot of them, uh, I'm, I was just serving with guys and girls who um, have done so much. They've they fought. Many of these guys were in special operations, had done some amazing things, but every every single one wants to get out as quick as they can. And and a lot of them that I've talked to, oh, Fred, I don't have anything lined up. I'm just going to retire. Uh, that is normally not the case. So the other side of it is they some of them do have issues. And you can just tell they're very, very demoralized and bitter but they won't say what the root is. And that lets you know when you don't see or totally sense and, and can't tangibly put your, your clutches on the reason why they don't want to tell you, then it's usually these endangered species, as I'll call them, these social policies that have been forced down everyone's throat um, that are in the workplace. And if you even think blink or you know, look cross-eyed at, you know, one of these policies, you're going to be terminated. Uh, so you can't be yourself. You can't object. If, if you think something's morally wrong, you're just forced to have to deal with it. And, uh, so it has consequences when, when we say, Oh, we're just going to let everything go, uh, in the Marine Corps. Um, and some of the things that are happening is, you know, Marines have to cohabitate, especially, you know, the more junior you are, you, you live in a barracks. You don't have, you know, your privacy and freedom and you, you have to share showers and rooms. And then when you go on ship, because that's what, I mean, think of the term Marine, we go on ships at sea, uh, you have no privacy, but when you introduce sexual attraction, I mean, it would, Audrey, it, it would make just as much sense as having not just co-ed dorms that's been going on for a while, but co-ed rooms mm-hmm. uh, where people return just like in college, same thing on the ship in the Marines, they return from shore leave and they've been intoxicated. And now they're sharing a room. Uh, maybe both people are intoxicated uh, with somebody that one of them is attracted to. I remember before I got out of the Marine Corps that my very last duty assignment, they sent me to this senior legal officer course and they said the number one problem in the department of the Navy is sexual assault. So we have started to do things that have increased the likelihood that this will happen because right when I was retiring, this was not the case that they were starting to usher it in. But now we have it fully manifested in our military, and there's no longer the camaraderie, the oorah, the you just don't see any of that. You don't see the cohesiveness, uh, the esprit de corps. You know, we used to have 
you know, Marines, and it didn't make any difference what religion, race, creed somebody was, gender. Now, those are, especially the latter, like I mentioned, it's kind of a been used to be very, very divisive. So, so certain people are saying, hey, um, this is who I am. Uh, do you have a problem with it? They, they want to stir the pot. They want to get everybody agitated. They want to get everybody divided amongst each other. And that's that plays right into our enemy's hands where I mean, they want us divided. Um, this is not something that has any benefit uh, to cohesiveness is when you try to accentuate your differences. So, Audrey, it's, it's not something that I say, oh, it's just it's sad. It is something that when we look and I mentioned this to you uh, previously, let's just take a look at what's going on in the world right now. And in Russia, have they ex- utilized these uh, social experiments? No. Factually, no. They, they have a, a hard line, just like we had in the past. But one thing they don't have is there's a huge cohesiveness disconnect between their general officers and their frontline foot soldiers. And you saw this when they first invaded Ukraine, where they stated uh, this is a special operation exercise. So they lied to the people. The senior officers lied to uh, those troops, you know, you know, right where, you know, the point of friction is mm-hmm. on the front lines. Mm-hmm. And here these guys are you know, going in and, and killing civilians. Uh, that messes people up and they have hesitation and they've that has brought uh, some very ineffectiveness. I mean, the Russian military, their army is far larger in size and in technological capabilities than in Ukraine. And they have, you know, been ineffective on a large scale. And I'm not saying they haven't taken ground and that they haven't had successes because we know they have. And uh, but I'm saying we need to pay attention right now at what other militaries, not just the Russians, but look at some of these uh, European forces that have had these radical changes. And those listeners that you have who have served in the military overseas in combat in the last 20 years that have served shoulder to shoulder with a lot of these foreign militaries, especially the ones in in Western Europe who have... uh, you know, push forward with a lot of these liberal policies, you know, just ask yourself, I mean, are they, you know, fun to talk to and think about their culture, but how effective are they or were they in Iraq or in Afghanistan, places like Syria? Uh, most people realize like, hey, they're, they're borderline a joke. And that's what we're headed in. We know this in the military. Do we want this? You know, the people must take back, you know, their republic and realize that, hey, we have control over this. We elect these individuals and we just need to let them know that we take our national defense seriously. Our national defense is kind of like an insurance policy. Some people pay it and they think that, well, I don't really know. And then there's some people that don't pay it and they take that risk. And they don't really think it of in their mind until you have to use that policy. Mm. And right now, that's something that 
in the last 20 years, has this hit America? I would say a little less than 21 years ago on September 11th, it did, but we have forgotten and we're going to need that policy. Uh, but we, most Americans, that's not on the forefront of our minds about our national defense mm-hmm. because it doesn't really hit home. And we are gearing up for something far greater than what we've experienced here in the last six months with uh, rising high gas prices and inflation all across the United States and the globe. Uh, if we get into it with other countries, especially another superpower, where because America has wanted to keep America clean environmentally so much that we we don't mind if we dump all our junk in somebody else's backyard like China, but when we have exported all of our manufacturing out to other countries, whether it's China, India, or Southeast Asia, and we'll pollute over there, we no longer manufacture most of our products here. And these are the important things are that a lot of these chemicals, not just the products, but what goes into our paints, carpets, everything that we make. That's no longer here. So if we have a conflict and then that conflict goes into a crisis, um, we, uh, or the other way around, if we have a crisis and it goes into a conflict, then we're going to have some severe problems uh, with mass inflation, with our way of life as Americans as we know it now collapsing. Uh, look at the economic markets and what they've been doing right now in you know, the technical trends that they're all on. Look at the amount of call to put buying in the, especially just recently, you know, just, you know, this week, yesterday, massive, massive institutional short-term put buying. The markets are going to go down. Somebody's, these aren't, I shouldn't say somebody, because these are institutions. When you buy 100,000 puts, uh, in one, you know, in one print, right. you know, that's an institutional investor. These are people who have massive amounts of an analysts working for them, telling them that since the markets and where it's going, we're not heading in a good direction. We're at extreme risk. Look at how leveraged almost every American is, Audrey. We're in a very unsafe economic position. Um, and I'm not just talking about the $6.70 average gas prices here in California. I'm talking the the whole United States could just go off the cliff if we don't watch ourselves. And how does this all relate? Well, when our military is perceived weak, and let's just ask, ask ourselves some questions and then answer these. A year and a half ago, when there was another administration, was Uncle Kim launching missiles out of North Korea? No. 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 What's going on right now that the mainstream media is not covering? Just do an internet search of North Korea missile launches and see how many have been launched. This is going on at the cyclic rate. And guess what? I mean, these are expensive missiles. Uh, <laughs> they've tested, and we've talked about this before, those that go up you know, 300 nautical miles in the, in the atmosphere. Those are those don't need to hit a city. Those are designed, you know, to have electronic magnetic pulse attacks. So we have an EMP, and it shuts down our power in the United States. And we we all know who is 
Korea, North Korea's Geppetto. You know, they are a client state, as are over 60 other countries who've all signed on to the One Belt, One Road initiative, which while we were allowing our American generals to do this horseplay in the Middle East for over 20 years, trying to win hearts and minds in this counterinsurgency strategy that was failed, and no generals have been held accountable for this at all. Well, while we were doing this low-cost uh, waste, I won't say we didn't have some progress, but we didn't define it and we didn't you know, hold ourselves accountable to what our objectives were. We just let it go on for 20 years while China was building infrastructure, airports, rails, seaports for all these countries, tied them into their terms and conditions, which Al Capone couldn't even broker such great deals with. <laughs> and and now they're their, you know, they're the client states. They are puppets for China. So if we go into crisis or conflict, those products which we depend on in Southeast Asia, even in Africa, in South America, uh, China, I mean, what are they doing buying up all these uh, agriculture and mines here in in America? Uh, you know, we are losing our sovereignty, and we're just allowing you know, China to be the world player where we can't really compete against them because we're dependent on them. As a nation, we're going to be, I hate to say, but compared to the junkie where, you know, we've gotten addicted to this and we have no other means to survive on our own. Uh, so, but that is something that really goes to the troop morale. We, those who have studied this, and I'm, everything I'm talking about is unclassified. Um, we realize that we have a severe complex problem and as the people's liberation army in china continues to expand you know their military capital expenditures and grow with their hardware and their fifth generation fighters their their ships their amphibious capabilities that they're constantly rehearsing on the east coast of china uh, at an accelerated pace why are they doing this well we used to think that the timeline that they're possibly planning uh, to do something was far later. Now we believe it's soon. Well, when we were perceived weak and you have Uncle Kim launching missiles, you have Putin pushing into Ukraine, you have these amphibious rehearsals and industrial uh military industrial development accelerating so fast in China. This was not the case a year and a half ago, but people look at this as an opportunity. And it's an opportunity that was not going on in the last administration. But when we are perceived, and you look at the commander-in-chief, you look at uh, his military leaders who, okay, by the way, where did, where did the Secretary of Defense, or current Secretary of Defense, Austin, mm -hmm. come from? Raytheon. <laughs> you think he has any conflict of interest uh, being with one of the largest defense contractors? I would say, yeah, that's why these types of things are unethical. Yeah. And you look at our, you know, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you know, the well-nourished warrior, uh, General Miley. Do you think that he is someone that is standing a hard line saying, no, this is not in the best interest of our national defense? No. Yeah. I think he'll do whatever his puppeteers are telling him to do. Sure. Uh, and we are looked at as a joke on the international stage. That's why missiles are constantly being launched from North Korea. 
Russia has invaded Ukraine, and look at what China is gearing up to do right now. And that is where this whole deck of cards is going to fall down, Audrey. It, we, we need to take action right now. We need to vote out every single politician, you know, every member and lawmaker of, in Washington, D.C., and get in hardcore Americans that are concerned about our nation's economy and our nation's security. Those those two things right now are in jeopardy of, of having every American's way of life. Uh, people are saying, oh, I'm having a problem. We may not be able to take a vacation. Oh, that's that's going to be completely out of the question. I'm talking America, and I'm not an alarmist. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm a realist. Uh, Fred, where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and listen to the Commando Show 2.0 and order a copy of your new book, A Few Bad Men? Where can they do all that? Okay, so I've had some uh, people say that uh, they ran out in certain bookstores. They can find it at, at different bookstores if they call and ask that it be ordered. Or it's it's at Books A Million, it's at Amazon, and it's at Barnes & Noble Uh they can order it online or they can go into bookstores, but uh, call ahead of time if they want to get a, a hard copy that day. Uh, they can also, uh, Victor Bavine, he's uh, an actor, really strong voice. He was the gentleman that did the recording for the Audible, mm-hmm. so they can order it and listen to it if they prefer that method. They can get that, get their hands on that today as well as on Kindle if they like and they have the electronic book. Sure. So, uh, Okay. And then they can uh, search on at FC Galvin for Facebook and Twitter and uh, connect with me there. Okay. And as always, I'll have those links in my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AudreyRusso.com, click on the on-air button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info that Fred just shared. Thanks so much, Fred, again, for sharing your, not only your story, but all your excellent assessments with us. Will you join us again on the show? Yes. Absolutely, Audrey. Excellent. Until then, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. We're going to take a quick break right here, but stay right there. Up next, Stephen Bucci will be here. So don't make a move. What? Didn't see you there. I was busy eating this delicious meal from preparewithmojo50.com. You look hungry. Do you want some? Of course you do. Get your own. You can go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. You can't have mine. You've looked around and you've noticed that things are pretty unstable right now. It's hard to find abundance where we once knew it. If you think things might get worse before they get better, you'd be wise to visit preparewithmojo50.com. It's our trusted source for emergency food, survival tools, water and air filtration, and more. Top quality and money-saving discounts for you as a Mojo listener. Be prepared to protect and feed your family in the event of an emergency. Preparewithmojo50.com. The Daily Mojo with Brad Staggs. My suggestion was why not create another category so you have men you have women then you have transgender men and transgender women and so i mean why not create their own unique category so we are comparing apples to apples and coconuts to because because their whole entire shtick for the transgender community is no these are women 
you, despite the fact that they have XY chromosomes and, you know, a giant hog swinging between their legs, they are women. <laughs> and you Here, I'll get it. Why. Wow. Giant hog. Never heard it quite uh, described that way. Hey, that's great. I see you've seen Ron naked, too. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Weekdays, 8 Eastern, Mojo Five O. Supply line interruptions are definitely here to stay, especially given the incredible talent we have working at the U.S. Transportation Department. However, you don't need to fear these interruptions. You can be prepared. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. Hey, everybody. This is comedian Greg Morton, the man of many voices, cartoon voices. Please thank for the power. Hey, Fred. You're listening to Audrey Russo on Real Talk Radio. Hi, this is Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. For insightful dialogue and discussion, tune in to Audrey Russo at Real Talk Radio. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, this is Audrey Russo, and you're listening to Real Talk. The Democrats never let a crisis go to waste. That means use every crisis to further their goals. The problem is their goals are against the goals of all Americans. And we're going to discuss this and more with my next guest. For my new listeners... Dr. Stephen Bucci has served America for three decades as an Army Special Forces officer and top Pentagon official. He is a visiting fellow for Spec Ops and Disaster Management at the Heritage Foundation and an independent security consultant. Stephen is an adjunct professor of leadership at George Mason University and an associate professor of terrorism studies and cybersecurity policy at Long Island University. It's my great pleasure to give a Real Talk welcome back to Dr. Stephen Bucci. Welcome back, Steve. It is always my pleasure and my honor to be back on the show talking with you, Audrey. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. It's always our honor, and I'm so, it's so great to have you back with us. And we're going to jump in right here. Uh, we can all develop bad habits, but the Democrats inciting violence, and we'll give the example of Kavanaugh's assassination attempt and threats, physical threats, against Barrett and her family, is a bad Marxist habit. Now, in defiance of 18 U.S. Code 1503 and 1507, Chuck Schumer has incited violence and really given a directive to violate these laws. And no one on our side, as of yet, is calling them out. Steve, the the left has gone from uncivil discourse to now violence to get their way despite violating U.S. laws to do it. There can be no place for violence as a form of expression in a free society. Am I correct? You're 100% correct. Uh, it is not just, is there no place for it, but it's, it's like the, the, the most hypocritical 
stance that, you know, you could possibly see, particularly right now, you've got on one hand, you know, they're telling people to go out and, you know, this goes back to, you know, well, if you see them in a restaurant, you get in their faces and you, you know, yell at them. And, uh, you know, that's not inciting to violence, according to the left. But if people on the conservative side encourage their their uh, followers to do anything even close to that, they'd be screaming bloody murder. And we'd have, you know, something beyond the January 6th hearings. You know, the idea that when conservatives do something, it's white supremacy, it's, you know, racism, it's bigotry. But when the left does it, well, it's just it's just protest. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. loving, you know, admiration for our Constitution and uh, our rights. Uh, you know, you can't have it both ways. You you know, either we have completely unlimited free speech and you can do whatever you darn well please at any time, which is, you know, the definition of anarchy. We do have left and right limits right. Of, of what we can do and how we can protest. Right. And we have more flexibility in that regard than any country in the world uh but it's not unlimited there are legal limits passed by congress determined to be constitutional but they have to be enforced and now you have you know people on the left in congress people on the left in the department of justice people on the left in in district attorney's offices uh, around the country who say, well, you know, we're not going to enforce these. When did it become optional for people in our government as to whether or not they enforce a law? I I don't understand that. Uh, But the left seems to be pretty comfortable with it. And I think everybody should remember that come November, that that's the way the left wants to play this game. And I hope, you know, I mean, there's a likelihood that when Republicans get back in power, they might do the same thing. I don't want the Republicans to do it either. It's wrong. But, you know, the Chuck Schumer, you know, I mean, he looked like Benito Mussolini, (laughs) which is, you know, with the speech that he gave pounding the podium and and inciting people to go out and commit violence. That's inappropriate. He's the, the Senate majority leader. He should have a little dignity. You know, I mean, he's an ideologue. I get that. But not when it comes from inciting violence, particularly inciting violence against not just the persons of our Supreme Court justices, but their families, their homes. Yeah, that's just so wrong in so many ways. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I come from a teaching background and we don't blame a child for being uh, for misbehaving. We the, we blame the ones that will not restrain him if he causes chaos. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not, I don't blame the Democrat Party for basically their evil ways. I do hold uh, accountable uh, those in our party that will not speak up and come against it. Uh, bring up the fact that, well, look at, for instance, uh, Garland. I think it's malfeasance on his part when he knows what the U.S. code is. He was a judge. He knows what it is, and he knows that they're breaking it by seeking out these justices to try to interfere in the process, and they they are 
violent. These protests, they're threatening their lives. And then, of course, we had one that actually did uh, try to, you know, assassinate one of them. This mm-hmm. is, a, um, a, um, would you call that malfeasance, the fact that he will not even enforce these laws? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this this is exactly the same problem we had in 2020, you know, during the, this, quote, summer of love we had back then. <laughs> Uh, yeah. where, where, you know, leftists and, and Marxists were raising our cities, uh, or at least ones where they were allowed to, uh, and nobody said boo. Nobody condemned them, uh, and, and if you did, you were a racist. And this is the same thing now. You have Merrick Garland, who could have been one of our Supreme Court justices. Oh, God forbid. Uh, <laughs> sitting... Yeah, sitting in the the office of the attorney general, the senior law enforcement official of, in the entire country, and right outside his door, you know, in his neighborhood there in, in northern Virginia and D.C., these things are happening, and he is not just not enforcing it, he's encouraging, you know, the, the local police and the others not to get involved in this. Uh, he is has abrogated his responsibility to protect one of the three branches of our government. Yeah. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And back to your initial point, that people on the conservative side are not raising holy heck about it either. Yeah. I mean, you would think all of the the leaders of the Republican Party and and you know conservatives in government would be you know going nuts saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is, what these people are doing is a crime. Where is the enforcement of this? Where did the executive branch get the the power to say, well, we're just not going to enforce those laws? I mean, you would think the Congress would be going nuts because it's their law that's being ignored. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's a gross violation of our separation of powers. Uh, it, It really shows that that when people decide they're not going to follow the rules, it screws up the system. And, uh, you know, and again, I, I don't want to see us do tit for tat if, if Republicans get back in power. No. But it's uh, because it's wrong regardless of who does it. Right. But let's have some consistency. Let's have some intellectual honesty and integrity uh, in our government. And it's sorely lacking right now. Most of it on the left side, but the right is kind of just sort of being complacent, you know, acquiescing to it. Yeah, that's it. Crazy. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't. It's never. There is no history of the Republicans trying to do the same thing as them when they when they are in the majority. But the problem is they want us to put them back in the majority. And they basically are not saying anything against this. Now, I expect people that I, you know, we basically have no voice in D.C. right now because except for, I'd have to say Marjorie Taylor Greene, okay? She's the only one that seems to be speaking up. But the rest are just saying, oh, yeah, well, we're going to get back in power and then we'll, we'll what? You didn't do anything in the first two years of Trump, to, especially when it came yeah. to what, what's happening to us on, on the web when it comes to social um, media platforms. But here you are not saying anything about this, and that's disturbing. What are you doing to the AG? What are you doing? Your job is to enforce the law. 
They're not even saying that. So that, that's my biggest problem, is the ones that are to stand against these things are not doing it. And that's you know where we are. And here we have another situation. In 2021, just last year, the US Supreme Court ruled unanimously, nine to zero, that red flag laws are unconstitutional, and that's in the Coniglia versus Strom case. Now, now we're talking about the liberal justices as well. Nine to zero. Yet, Biden and the Democrats, and some GOP, which is shocking, have decided unconstitutional. Steve, would you share why red flag laws, I mean, there's many reasons, but some of the major reasons that red flag laws are dangerous to our freedoms? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's quite simple, is that a red flag law, it basically, uh, you know, apprehends you and, and mets out punishment to you before you've done anything. Uh, it completely skips over any sort of due process. You get no hearing before your accusers. You get your property confiscated. Uh, you can be incarcerated. Uh, all those things can happen with absolutely no protections to the rights of the individual being, you know, uh, that they're applying it to. Now, I know there's going to be people out there say, oh, but we've got to stop crazy people from doing bad things. I agree with that completely. We do. But you got to do it in a way that also protects their rights because this is the age where people get swatted. Uh, if, if you, you're not familiar with that term, that's where somebody calls the police anonymously reports that Steve Bucci at this address is doing something horrific. He's got, you know, a meth lab or he's doing drugs or, you know, he's abusing a child, something. And the police respond. They come, and Steve Bucci hasn't done anything. It's just somebody who's got a bone to pick with Steve Bucci right. does that, and there's no, you know, there's no comeback for the person. You can be taken off in handcuffs in front of your children and your neighbors, and you haven't done anything. Right. But this is worse because it confiscates your property. Yeah. Uh, it Most of the states who've tried to do these things have no system about how that person can get his property back, right. which the left thinks is perfect because then people who like guns lose their guns. Uh, and, and you end up, you know, confined, getting uh, evaluated, all this stuff based on anonymous calls. There's no uh, structure there that's adequate to, you know, show that Steve Bucci is, a threat to himself, a threat to other people. Uh, you know, I don't mind if you think somebody's a threat to somebody else and you call the authorities, you know, because I'm in my backyard shooting guns in the air or something like that in the middle of a suburban neighborhood, uh, which is illegal, by the way, so they mm -hmm. could actually just come and arrest you. But if I haven't done anything, but you think because I own a gun yeah. that I'm some kind of nut and a threat and they uh, activate these red flag laws, uh, they, they have grossly violated my constitutional rights. Yes, People on the left don't care about that. They think that's just fine as long as it applies to people on the right. 
Uh, and unfortunately, the, the, the Republicans that have joined with them have bought into this idea of, oh, we're doing common sense gun laws. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, once they put that on there, they think, well, everybody's, well, of course we like common sense. We should go along with that. No, you have to dig into what they're saying is going to happen yes, uh, and what they're not saying is going to happen because there's a lot of that in there, too. Uh, and and it's, the bottom line is it's unconstitutional. In our system, you know, this is not the, the Tom Cruise Minority Report movie where we have some sort of freshened, you know, mutants who can tell us ahead of time what somebody's going to do so we can arrest them before they do it. Right, that's absurd. We don't have that system. Thank God. We'll never have that system, yes. but that's what the left wants with these red flag laws. Sure. Uh, and it's just, it's trying to do something that you're never going to get to fit within our constitutional framework. And I wish Congress, you know, I mean, I, the Supreme Court, by the system cannot weigh in on a law until a case is, you know, brought before them and it goes through the system and comes up to them and they get to rule on it. Well, sadly, there's going to be, you know, unless we fast track these to challenge this, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to have their rights, you know, trod in the mud uh, until it gets back to the Supreme Court and they say again, this is unconstitutional. You cannot do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They and they know it. And uh, well, uh, I'll show you an example. More public example is that Swalwell, you know, the one that slept with a spy, a Chinese spy. He uh, doesn't like Ben Shapiro or his opinions, and said that he should have his weapons taken away. The, uh, thank God Tennessee doesn't have red flag laws, and I'm going to make sure that it stays that way. But this is the kind of abuse. It's so open to abuse, and you know these proposed gun laws would not have, st this, is the, this is a fact, it just would not have stopped what happened in Uvalde. The real issues there were, one, a lack of leadership, and two, ignoring the mental health crisis that was exacerbated by the government's lockdown. Do you agree? Yes, I do. <clears throat> you know, it's, we should do whatever we can to preemptively stop somebody from doing something like this. You know, this this kid obviously had mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, I, I have no problem if they can get the whole medical community and the privacy community <clears throat> to agree that before an 18-year-old has to buy something, and some people will disagree with me on this, that they have to do a sufficient background check, including mental health status, before you can buy you know, all right, you, if you can get people to say that we don't care that it violates HIPAA and uh, we don't care that uh, people's privacy is going to be looked into, uh, fine. We haven't done that yet. So I the, think we have to this, be. This kid, yeah, yeah I, this kid would not have been stopped un, and wasn't stopped right. under our laws right now because he had nothing on the record that he had a mental health issue. He had no. Uh, behavioral issues that had run afoul of the law. Uh, so, you know, people say we need better background checks. We, yeah, well, no. if you haven't done anything, you can look all you want. There's nothing there to find. Right. right. And, and uh, so, you, you know, we, we could not, the only way this could have been stopped is if his grandparents, who were the people supervising him in his home, 
had checked his room and found guns under his bed that they didn't know he had in the house. Right. Uh, they said they didn't know that he had purchased them. Uh, and then you, you slide to the next level is, okay, this event has started. Uh, you know, this guy shot his grandmother. She called 911. Uh, but then the key one is that he was outside the school and those people at the, the uh, funeral home saw him. He shot at them. He was shooting at the school. They called 911. Why wasn't the school immediately notified and put on lockdown? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a phone call. Yeah. And, and, and they, they should have had that kind of relationship with the police where they could call immediately and say, there's a shooter outside your school. Lock down every door in every classroom right now. We're on the way. Uh, and then when the kid ran in, you know, I'm sorry, uh, the back in Columbine, the, the protocol was if there's a shooter or if there's a, a, a threat in a school or any place else, you get there, you secure the, the environment and you wait for SWAT. After Columbine, that came to you secure the school and you wait for a quad. That's the, the term of art. You wait for four law enforcement because that's the standard you use to clear a room. Right. Uh, you know, you go in in a stack and clear the room uh, and you go in with those four guys and you confront the, the shooter. Then they change. They said, that's not fast enough. As long as you have at least two law enforcement, you go in and you confront the shooter. And most recently, it went down to one. If you're the only guy there and you know there's more people coming, but you need to get in there because people are dying, people are being shot, right. you need to go in there and confront them. That did not happen at Uvalde. Uh, decisions were made that were way out of protocol. Right. And then there were other things, too. You know, the door didn't lock, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you have a great plan, Audrey, yeah. it won't work if the people don't follow it. Right. So, you know, you have to have the planning, you have to have rehearsals, but then you got to do what you're supposed to do. You can't prop open doors. You can't, you know, not have doors that lock. If a door doesn't lock suddenly, you need to know that and get it fixed that day, not weeks later. Right. Uh, and, and the police need to respond. The leadership need to make the right decisions. The individual law enforcement officers need to do what they are trained to do and what they are supposedly sworn to do, which is to protect the rest of us, uh, and, and go in there. I'm sorry. Somebody who says, well, law enforcement, you know, can't put their lives at risk to help civilians. That's what they're well, supposed to do. You've got, you got a bunch of kids sitting <laughs> they're there. They're children if in you're there. Not, yeah. If you're not going to do it, then get out of the way and let somebody else try. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That was so inexcusable. Yeah, it was inexcusable. Yeah, and then, and then you have the left who, who, on one hand, say, oh, my God, the police are terrible. They're bad people. Yeah. They're abusing citizens. Uh, we need to defund them. At the same time, the same exact people are saying, but you, you private citizens, you don't need guns. You just need to depend on the police. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, uh, I, and I love, I love the police. I think the police in most cases, yes. do their darndest to protect us, put mm -hmm. themselves at risk doing it, and most of the time they're successful. 
This one was a major failure. Uh, the, the school didn't do everything it was supposed to do, but the, the key one was the leadership of the law enforcement did not do their job and send those guys in there to protect those children. No. That was a failure. That was a disastrous failure, uh, sadly, for those families. This is, yeah, well, they, you know, um, but one, one quick note here is that um, we have to be very careful when we talk about getting a mental evaluation. It has to be extremely specific because if it is not, it can be abused as well as red flag laws when it comes Absolutely. to Absolutely, uh, yeah. and, and that's really part of the, the whole red flag thing. I mean, somebody's yeah. got to say, hey, Bucci needs an evaluation. Right. There needs to be some recourse. It can't just be because my neighbor thinks my grass got too long and he knows I go to a shooting range now and then Um, that obviously I'm a nut and need to be evaluated and he triggers all these actions. Uh, One, he's not, you know, I don't care what he feels like. He's not qualified to make that determination. Uh, And my rights have every bit as much, you know, need as much protection as anybody else's. It's just, we can't, you can't, claim the protection of the Constitution and then trample on that same document. Which the left, uh, the Democrat Party, seems to have no problem doing that. They only follow, it appears they only follow laws if they benefit them. Uh, you know, but it, when it comes to anything like this, the, the fact that they're even attempting, when just last year, a nine to zero, we're talking, there there are, you know, I mean, there are liberal judges on that court, and they all agree. Yeah. That you know, so you have that right now. It's fresh, okay? A fresh ruling, and yet they're still trying to implement that. What they're trying to do with the states, of course, is they're trying to, uh, you know, in in that bill, they they want to say we'll give you money if you will implement this. You know, so people have yeah. to understand. And I think the greatest, and there's a lot of problems with it, but what you brought out was the the greatest problem: due process. Because there are Americans come here. Well, look, look, for instance, we'll give you the, not just with the red flag laws, but, you know, when it comes with the J6 prisoners, no matter what you think about that, it doesn't really matter. Every American should have a problem with the fact that a year and a half later, these people have been robbed of due process. This is incredibly un-American. You can't do that in our system. And yet it's being done and not a word is being said from the Republicans in Congress. I mean, I'm very hard on the Republicans, but I I expect them to do what's right. And our legal system is, is the reason many people have emigrated to the United States. If we lose due process, uh, won't we be fodder for any tyrant that comes along? Absolutely. You know, this, I've lived in countries like that where people get arrested, they go to jail, and you don't hear from them for months or years, uh, and there's no, uh, you know, protections for that person. No trial, uh, right? No trial, you know, or they do the trial whenever they darn well please. Mm. That's not what's supposed to happen. We have a right to uh, all those protections that, that any criminal does that, frankly, the left has applied to rioters, to people who are burned stores, shot people, uh, yeah. and they get let go. They don't even get held overnight. No. And these people, uh, on January 6th, as you say, whatever you think about them, Doesn't, yeah. any, anybody should think th- there's a problem here that these people have been held this long, they haven't been tried, 
That's political. That's a political prison. Yeah, they're they're being put in solitary confinement. People who have no criminal records whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, there's there's something, there's something that should make anybody uneasy about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Steve, where can the listeners follow and support your excellent work and the work of the Heritage Foundation? Where can they do that? They should go to heritage.org, heritage.org. Uh, they can get anything I do or any of my colleagues. Uh, we've got lawyers. We, You know, we've got the whole... Uh, panoply of of, uh, experts available, and you can download it all for free. Excellent. And as always, I'll have those links to my after show, which is now on the live show page. Just go to AudreyRusso.com, click on the on-air button, and right under the show description, you'll find all the links and info that Steve just shared. Thanks so much again, Steve, for sharing your brilliant assessments with us. Until your next visit to the show, may God bless you, your work, and may God save America. Bye for now. Bye-bye. God bless. Thanks for listening to Real Talk with Audrey Russo. You can follow Audrey at her website, AudreyRusso.com, where you can find the live show, archives, articles, and much more. She's also on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Read her articles also at Liberty, Great Britain, and Barbed Wire. Join us next time as Audrey exits stage right. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O.